hey, I'm Allison, host of Fine Cut, a podcast where a guest brings a scene they have strong feelings about, love, hate, curiosity, from any form of media. And then we discuss the heck out of it for 20 minutes. It's a blast. Join us. Hi. <laughs> I'm Allison Shelton here with Anjali Bhavani, and we are going to discuss a scene that she loved or found interesting. That's what we do here at Fine Cuts. So, Anjali, what yes. did you pick and why? Um, so I picked a scene from the newsroom, uh, which if you haven't seen the series, 10 out of 10, highly recommend. Um, I am a big fan of Aaron Sorkin's writing in general, but this particular series, uh, especially in the time frame that it came out, was so timely in terms of the press and what is what is quote unquote honorable in the press and what is not and who what what can you do and what can you not and and all of these really cool characters that I love very much. And this particular scene is between two of the, the smartest women in the room. Like any room that they walk in, these are two of the smartest women in the room. Um, one character is Mackenzie, who's played by uh, Emily Mortimer. And one is Sloane, who is Sloane Sabbath, who is played by Olivia Munn. So these two gals, two very, very, very different people who, because they work together, have developed some kind of a relationship, but it's not... Uh, it's not like a, it's not an organic friendship. It's definitely a friendship based on a workshop, you know, workplace yep. friendship. But in this scene, uh, Mac is both reeling from the, uh, how should I put this? The, I, I, without ruining anything too. She is reeling from something big in her personal life that came out publicly at work in a very, uh, mistaken I way. I think you can spoil it because it happened a long time ago. And if people I know, but I don't scene... want to spoil it people haven't seen the series. Okay. So I'm, it's very, it's very, I, I want to do my best to talk around okay. that. She's, okay. she's dealing with um, some, th some stuff that has come out about a previous relationship in a very messed up, mistaken way. She kind of screwed, she really screwed it up. But also she is in a position where she is really desperately needing a crash course on the American economic system. And mm -hmm. she is a, 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 a UK immigrant. Um, and Sloan, who is a financial expert, and that's what she does in the newsroom, in that particular uh, newsroom that they work in, Sloan is there to sit with her and give her this crash course. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many things I love about this scene. Um, not the least of which, and I'm just going to start here, is I know that we do the Bechdel's test to make sure, like, to see, is, is it a, a two-woman scene where they're not talking about, basically talking about a dude? Right. And no, this does not pass that test. <laughs> But they are talking about so much more than the dude in this conversation, even though it's because of him that this conversation happens. And I think that right there is actually something that is worth exploring more and more in scripts and screenplays, mm -hmm. because... Sometimes you can't get away from talking about your personal life. Sometimes you can't get away from talking about whatever's going on. But when you can see how the world around you is actually being reflected in your relationship and vice versa, there is something kind of magical to realizing the patterns, like the human patterns that we have uh, that apply almost to every situation that we're in. Um, I love the fact that these are two women with incredibly, like one is very, very, very much in her emotions. One mm -hmm. is very, very, very much in her head in general. And yet they absolutely have common ground here, even though they are not talking about the same thing. 
Um, And neither one of them is better than the other. Neither one of them is competing with another. Neither, like all they are doing is trying to support each other in the ways that they know how to do. Or one of them is trying to make a friendship with each other because she can't, she's the one who needs support. Um, I also love, I love smart women obviously like who doesn't mm-hmm. love a smart well I shouldn't say who doesn't I'm sure apparently a lot of people but yeah not not but a- I love it I love it especially when you can see a smart woman and it's not just this two-dimensional she's smart but she's sexy she's a businesswoman but she can you know screw around and I don't want to curse um but you know she's really hot in bed or whatever it's not just those they're they're not limited to that two-dimensional presentation they are very complex they are very smart they have very different ways of looking at the world they can be sexual beings and be and be smart and be complex and be emotional they can screw up and they can come back they could there's just a lot of um there are a lot of layers to both of these characters and then just to wrap it up in a in a you know Aaron Sorkin bow <laughs> the way that he has written the script and the way that Sloan is basically explaining Glass-Steagall to Mac. And it is such a perfect parallel to what is going on in Mac's life to me is just, it's virtuosic to me. I like, it's the kind of thing where you're like, How, I don't, uh, yeah, exactly. Like I don't, I don't have a brain that works that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that someone does because it gives you as the audience, this aha moment. Um, and there is a, there is a satisfaction to that there is a huge satisfaction one of the many things i love about his writing for women especially is that in his scenes you don't necessarily need to know specifically what they're talking about means what what they're talking about means like mm-hmm. you don't need to know what's going on in the white house like specifically politically on the west wing you just need to know this is a really good thing and this is a really bad or, or, and you base that on how you're seeing the characters react to it right and Sometimes he does an incredible job of actually teaching you something. And then when you do catch up, there's this level of satisfaction of, ooh, I just got another layer of the story that I wouldn't have gotten had I not known this thing. So now I am feeling more emotionally satisfied by the scene and I've learned something. And not in a didactic way, just in a, this thing happened and this is what it looked like. And no surprise, look, here's how it's parallels to this emotional situation. Um, so I love the scene. I know it's like a short two minute scene. And if you haven't seen the series, it doesn't have the impact on you probably that, that it had on me, but we, you know, we watched that show like, we just, well, I did not watch the show. So when you sent me the link, I watched it and I, I loved what you had to say about the scene, but I also think the scene is very interesting standalone Mm -hmm. because like you say, he does a really good job of letting you know, he gives you a way in even if you aren't familiar with everything that's going on. Like I immediately could parse, okay, something's awry in their relationship. She's done something she's not proud of. You know, Sloan is very Mm information-based and you can tell that right from the top. Like, okay. And solution-based. Here's a problem. Here's Here's a problem. Let us solve it. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I not that interested really. Um, and, And also I think he does a good job of, of finding the comedy in those moments too, between the Absolutely. two of them and the levity. And um, I, I'd enjoyed it. And then I actually ended up watching like, cause you know how when you're on YouTube, it, the algorithm just feeds you more. So I watched like yeah. 10 more Sloan scenes or 15 more Sloan scenes because mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've seen a lot of women like Sloan in yeah. media. And so I 
was like, oh, this is really interesting. And um, I also wanted to say that I, I was interested in what you had to say about the scene because it, it is interesting how as women we're, we're, we're supposed to either be talking about work or be talking about relationships and somehow they're not supposed to be intertwined because that makes yes. us less authoritative or less boss ladies or whatever weird right. phrase people want to use to, that right. feels diminishing, even though it's supposed to be empowering. Um, and it's so patriarchal. Like it, it really, yeah, it really is. And I know, you know, love Sorkin or hate him. I know everybody's got different opinions about it. Yeah. I'm actually a little, that. which I don't know if a lot of people yeah. feel like that. <laughs> I uh, I do love, especially with these two characters, that there is no separating that. Mm-hmm. Like Sloane has it in her and she is discovering it, but Mac is hard on her sleeve from the beginning. She's also ostensibly the most powerful woman up to a certain point in the series, the most powerful woman you see in the series. Mm-hmm. And her emotions are not a weakness. They end up being a huge strength. And I think, you know, there's been a lot said about this. I'm not, this is nothing new what I'm about to say, but it's not that in order for us to be equal to men, we need to be men. Right. It is that we realize that we all have a unique set of uh, uh, skills and a unique set of things that we're better at or things that we're more in touch with, maybe not even better at, but- And that come naturally to us. Yeah, they're different tools. Yeah, available to us. And also, anytime you have a team working together- any team, there are different positions on that team. Yes. Um, you know, I, I I don't know anything about sports ball games, but I do know that uh, you know, like you think of a football team, and everybody's got a different position because everybody's specializing in a different thing. Yeah. And similarly, I feel like for women, our intuition and our feelings are actually so 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 useful in business. And the few people I have seen who have tried to tamp that down uh, end up not being satisfied, end up needing Mm -hmm. to switch gears, whatever it is, because it is not sustainable to tamp down an entire part of who you are, Mm -hmm. Um, especially your feelings, for goodness sake. Um, So yeah, I love, I I especially love if you watched all the Sloan scenes or a bunch of Sloan scenes, as she starts to Mm -hmm. kind of get more and more in touch with her emotions, it's not like all of a sudden she becomes this puddle. Right. She it ends up weaving its way into the person that she already is into this very strong, very brilliant, very independent woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's life. I think uh, we're all, we're all learning more and more about who we are, who we thought we were, who we think we are now, who other people think we are and who we are. We're fi- We're always navigating those, those quadrants of of that that's like that's the human that's the, that's the game that's the road and and I love how these two characters do it through the series yeah and this and the scene celebrates that and I agree with you about tamping yourself I was just reading a book and it was in it I was talking about white feminism which is not just every white lady who's a feminist but the umbrella of sort of white feminism and how the goals of that and historically have been just like get women more power, get women more jobs, get women, you know, it's not about actually evolving. It's about, just yeah. Kind it's, of- and it's not about, and it wasn't at the time about quality Definitely, and not, not. That, that, not that they were asking for bad quality. It was just get us in the fucking room. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times when we are, I, I mean, look, I wasn't there and thank God that it all happened. Cause we, you and I would not be here at all yeah. having this conversation probably. Um, but the sense that 
they had to kind of put aside certain aspects of what eventually we wanted for the women's movement, for feminism, because they had to keep their eyes on the first goal. I think just also there's just way. so much internalized sexism and patriarchy, yes. you know? I mean, I, yeah. I think there is a certain amount of, especially when you have privilege, which these feminism, these feminists did with their race and their, and men, most of them were upper middle class, upper class. Like, so they've, they're, they are successful really in a lot of ways. And so yeah. they aren't really seeing, I mean, they aren't, they weren't seeing the intersectionality. They just weren't. And um, I think that's something that hopefully we're coming to over time. And because that is- I think so. I think very much so. I was listening to um, Arlen Hamilton, who if you haven't found her on the internet, find her, read her. She's awesome. I was very lucky to to meet her recently at a dinner party and we got into things. And and one of the things that I heard her say, I think on her- um, somewhere, social media, Instagram, something, yeah. something, is that privilege isn't the problem. We don't have control if we were born into privilege. We don't have, like, if if I have privilege, it's my privilege is not, it's not my fault that someone else does not have it. However, the entitlement yeah. that can come with that privilege, that's where the problem lies. So when people who do have privilege are like, cool, I know I have a leg up. I know I do. This is what enables me to help pull people out of the hole. This is what enables me to to lift up those voices. This is I absolutely am fully aware I am spoiled. I I grew up with a tremendous amount of privilege. I had the privilege of an amazing family that family unit that stayed together that was supportive of everything that I did and not everybody has that. But that the privilege of having that mm-hmm. enables me to help people who maybe didn't have that know that that exists in the world and you can have that if you want it mm-hmm. you know so that so i think, you I think it, whoever yes whoever you are yeah you whoever you are loved. you deserve to be loved you deserve to have what you want in the world yeah. um and it's not about what it what the thing looks like it's about what the feeling is you know and i think a lot of times we get caught up on the thing and to come full circle it's that it's that it's the steps of feminism you know, oh doggy, hi, hi, <laughs> it's Auntie Angeli. Hi, she's like way um, on the other side of the house, but she's she wants yes, to be heard. She, she, I think she hears me. I think she, she hears, hears me. We're talking about feminism, and she wants to join yes. us. She um, wants to join us. <laughs> her voice, but yeah, I, 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 I loved hearing that because even as a brown woman, um, I, I really have a problem with people saying, oh, well, you know, you're, you're, you're a, you're a minority that has been oppressed. And I'm like, I personally am not, but there are plenty of people who have, and I have the privilege of being able to help. And yes, they are in my demographic. So I am not going to be ashamed of the fact that I was born into the life I I have. I am, however, going to use every resource at my disposal to help other people who don't have what I have. Yes. And that's where privilege can actually I mean, ultimately be a good thing. I'm not a brown woman, but as a woman, like I definitely feel similarly. And I agree with you. Like it's my, it's, I feel like it's my um, job is not the right word, but my privilege, actually, yeah. it is my privilege yeah. to speak up for people. Like, you know, if I'm the white one in the room, it's my job to speak up. Like that's how it yeah. works. And yeah. uh, that's, I'm happy to do it. And I've gotten yeah. much more comfortable and, and, with it over the years about like, oh, you know, like I have the space and the privilege to speak up. So I need to do that. 
and you have the space and the privilege and as do I to give other people the floor. Yeah. To be able to say, okay, if you were going to give me the floor, don't give the, give the floor to this person. That's who I want to be speaking right now. And that's a really, that's also been a really uh, powerful thing to do. And again, these coming all the way back to this scene, I think when people see themselves and in this scene, two women who are complete, unique combinations of all the complex things that they are graceful or ungraceful, when you see yourself seen like that, an aspect of someone's scene. When I see a powerful woman who's going through it and she doesn't have to hide that she's going through it, that's part of who she is. When I see that on screen, I think that makes me feel seen. And when you, when when someone feels seen, when someone feels like they are a part of the narrative, I think it is a very, very, very empowering thing. Um, because not only do you feel like, oh, okay, cool, someone understands out there, but you feel like you're not alone in the feeling of it or in the experience of it. And I think, you know, I was talking to my husband the other day and I realized I was like, you know what? I know plenty of people who say the worst decisions that they have ever made were while they were drunk. I think the worst decisions that I have ever made were when I feel, when I felt like I was alone. Isolation is a a debilitating place to be when you, but also the the feeling of it, the feeling of it. Cause I wasn't, Even if I was physically not in the room with people, when you feel like you are alone, when you feel like you are at sea and no one is there, that feeling can cause a lot of us to do not crazy things like, well, I'm so crazy, but like you make make poor decisions. And and I love that in this scene, you get to see the whole picture of these ladies and it's lighthearted at the same time as you're feeling so for these people. Yes. And and to go sort of just my last thought on this too, is that they're sharing this speaking of isolation, because it would be very easy for Mac to just go home and like cry and feel sorry for herself and sort of spiral in that shame that she's feeling. And we lessen our shame and our isolation when we reach out to someone else. And so I also think the scene does a nice job of that. Like it doesn't take that much to feel a connection with someone else. You just yeah. need to be present and listen. And so she does, Sloan does a great job of that, even though that's not her strong suit. Super not her lane. She's good at she's good at kind of just keeping it on point and yeah, and but also diving into it. Also, I'm gonna I know this was your last point, but I'm gonna jump in with one more. <laughs> is that I there's so much power in admitting that you don't know about something that you yeah. don't know. The only way that Mac learns about this part of American economics is because she was brave enough to tell someone that she didn't know about it. And I think a lot of times, whether in business or anywhere. Um, and I know this is not unique to women, but I do know a lot of women who feel this extra when you are in a position of, of power or a position where you happen to be managing other people. Um, it can be very scary to say, I don't know the answer to that and to get the answer because you admitted that you didn't know it. Because somehow we're all expected to magically know things if we weren't taught them. And I don't really understand where that came from. Um, but in this scene, she she can have that conversation and then actually get a chance to grow from it. Yeah, so I agree. So much good stuff in this conversation and this scene. Thank you Yay. for joining me, Anjali. Obviously, it's always a joy talking to you. Um, so where can people find you if they'd like to learn more about you, which they absolutely um, Goodness, you can find me all over the interwebs. My, uh, my Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter are, uh, she says confusingly, if this is right. Yeah. Um, those so. three handles are sweet Ange, which is the word sweet, but with three E's and then 
A-N-J. And then uh, on Facebook, I'm just my full name, Anjali Bamani. Uh, I also wrote a book called I Am Fun Size and So Are You. Yes, you did. And you just human. recently. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Barnes & Noble uh, Press put me on their top 10 indie ebooks of the year. So I was very excited about Hooray. that. Which is crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, that book uh, has is out in the world and you can buy it where books are sold. Uh, you can buy it online, <laughs> uh, do the audio book. I, I, the audio book was super fun for me to do. So hopefully it's fun for people to listen to. Um, and then I do have a public facing email address, uh, which is Anjali at IamFunSize.com. If you want to get in touch with me or get in touch with my team, that is a very easy way to do so. Um, I will ask you to send puppy tax because I want pictures of dogs. So if you're asking me something, if you're asking me for something on that email, you better include a picture of a cute animal. That's okay. all I'm saying. It doesn't even need to be your animal. Just no, it doesn't have to be. Like if you don't yeah. have a dog, but you love dogs, send me a cute dog. Send me a quokka. Send me whatever you want. It's got to be adorable. <laughs> Red pandas, love those. Did you see that panda cuddling thing? People, I, I, yeah, it's, it's too. It's too much. Okay, it's too. So, there's just like too much. There's just too leaving much you with the thought of people cuddling pandas, which is a really look it up. It's amazing. So. Thank you, Anjali. Thank you, everyone, Thank you. for joining us. Bye. Bye.